from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Our previous episode was our 40th one, and when I zoom out in my head and I think about the topics we've covered so far, from public health to transportation to energy to broadband to the environment to childcare to education and to agriculture, just to name a few, one of the common threads that connect all of these things together is surprisingly simple, human rights. And as it so happens, we have a human rights commission in our county government that tackles aspects of pretty much all of these issues. So today I'm having a conversation with Adrian Jensen, the executive director of the Office of Human Rights for Sullivan County, to help get a sense of how her office goes about protecting and supporting the myriad of rights that we all have to help us live decent, happy, and fulfilling lives. Human rights are many things on a, on a very broad level. It's just the basic rights that every human being should have to, to be able to maintain dignity in their life. As you start to refine that, though, um, you know, there are international human rights, then there are federal human rights. And then when you kind of go down from that, human rights belong to everybody, but states can make even more available to people as far as rights are concerned. So they can add their own human rights laws on top of what the federal or the national laws are. And then counties can add even more. Typically, when we're talking about laws, um, and, and from my office, we're looking at the protected classes. Um, you know, some examples of that would be veterans, um, it would be people who are disabled. Um, it would be um, someone from, for instance, the LGBTQ community. It would be, um, you know, based on the aging, you know, elderly, people who are uh, being discriminated on the basis of their race or by religion, gender legal source of income. So like in, uh, for instance, child support or alimony or um, some sort of government support would be an example of that where, yes, you know, um, a particular individual receives that and they go to get an apartment and the landlord says, oh, no, 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 we're not going to include that as part of your income. Well, no, actually you are (laughs) because that's the law. And um, and it's, it is a legal source of income, so it gets included as your, your income. So that's kind of like, you know, a, a broader idea. But then, you know, when it gets down to it, um, in terms of like just maintaining sanity in an area, sanity in a county, in a state, you know, in, in our world, um, I think there's a real responsibility and importance that, that um, people have to 
make sure that on that broader level, people feel like they're being treated with dignity and that when they don't feel like that, they have a place that they can go. And, you know, I'm really thankful that the county decided to reinstate the office because the office had not existed for a couple of years. And there had been so much, you know, there has been so much that has happened in the last couple of years. Um, And, you know, it's unfortunate that it wasn't there then, but it's so great that it's here now. And the office has started off with like calls kind of trickling in because people didn't know that the office existed to it's just, you know, uh, constantly calls are, are coming in about issues that are coming up for people. So are most of the calls that your office is receiving folks that are concerned that there is a violation of human rights happening? Yeah, most of the calls are related to a violation of human rights, discrimination in housing, a lot are in discrimination in housing um, for income-based discrimination, some employment discrimination, more so related to housing at this point. Since COVID, we've had the whole emergency rental assistance program, and there have been some issues with that where people were... Um, you know, were unable to pay um, rent because they had to, maybe they were sick and they they were not able to uh, continue working or maybe their work closed down. And, you know, for whatever reason, they received this assistance. Um, and there are several situations where um, landlords did not really understand the program. And, you know, uh, people are getting evicted. There are many different situations about why people are getting evicted, but there are some situations where people are getting evicted where they should not have been. In terms of the work that the commission does when you get those concerns coming in, is it mostly an advocacy role or are you passing off those concerns to the appropriate offices or uh, legislators or uh, state representatives or federal representatives? What's the process if someone, for example, calls up with a concern that they or someone they know is, say, being evicted unfairly uh, on on some discriminatory way? So the answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, to all all of those things. Um, Someone will call up with a complaint, um, like you were saying, and, um, you know, first I'll sit down, someone came in today, you know, and I sit down and talk with them about the details of their situation because it's always different. And sometimes, unfortunately, what happens is it's not just that issue. There's normally several other issues that are linked with it, right? So I tend to take more of a holistic approach as opposed to just taking down, okay, tell me, you know, name a landlord, blah, 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 you know, like that kind of thing. I want to know like more about just in general what's going on because I actually can't think of a time where it's just been one issue. Um, And so, you know, I'll speak with them. I'll find out, you know, maybe they're also, they were having some health issues and um, they were fired from their job at the same time. And there's something that's a little questionable about the manner in which that occurred. And then on top of it, they're, um, experiencing food insecurity, you know, because they don't have the income to to support them. And so then what will happen is I'll look at all of that and I'll say, okay, as far as the eviction is concerned, 
you know, I'm going to connect you with this person and I'll make a call ahead of time typically and let the person, if I can reach that person, let them know, um, you know, I have this person who's going to be calling in so that there's just kind of like a nice handover. And then, you know, I'll tell whoever I hand them over to, can you please just, you know, give me a call back and let me know how that goes as well as with the client so that I, because otherwise I'm constantly thinking about it and, you know, wanting to make sure that everything went well for them. So, and I'll ask them to give me a call back, let me know how that went. And then, you know, I'll make some other calls because something that's really nice that's happened, and I'm so happy that I did it. I had a lovely, a couple of lovely people, but one person in particular in the county to take me around um, to a lot of different areas in the county and kind of point out how each of the areas in the county is very different um, and have different needs. And starting to do that also really got me involved more in introducing myself to literally anybody that I could um, to let them know that the office is open. This is what we do. This is who I am. What do you need and how can I be of service to you? And if you hear me call, don't get scared um, <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I'm really calling to try and like make the county just a better place and to, to be that lubricant in, in a situation that's very tense. Um, another thing that happens is when I see that there's a lot of the same sort of issues that's happened, um, it'll kind of click an idea like, you know, my commission, for instance, is a group of eight lovely individuals from all over the county, and the uh, legislators uh, appointed each one individual. But something that I saw was that there was a similarity, not everybody, but there's a similarity in age range for, for the commission. And I really wanted to also hear from the youth in the county. And so what I you know, decided to do, rather than ask the legislators to try and find youth in the county or to, to alter their choices that they thought were great choices, um, I decided to kind of leave that alone in it, itself and allow that to be what it is but to start something called the Youth Action Council. And so I'm working together with a, a couple of other agencies in the county to develop this Youth Action Council, which is going to be three individuals from each school in the county. It's going to be youth-led to bring up issues that they're concerned about and start to develop solutions to them. They'll have a connection um, where they'll be able to interact with the legislators as well. Um, and other government officials and to have some people to help them to form their ideas and to um, start to begin to be a part of civics. Another thing that uh, the office has been working on um, is uh, improving the quality of life for seniors in the county. I've, you know, gone around on this crazy wild tour meeting all the seniors uh, that I could in the county, going to uh, public housing, uh, different uh, senior clubs and senior, you know, citizens centers and things like that. And, uh, you know, I've done a 
survey that's very short, but there's a conversation that happens after that. It's very funny because they're, you know, always start off very skeptical because I'm a government official. (laughs) 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 They're always, I can always hear people mumbling under their breath. I'm not going to fill that out. I'm (laughs) I'm not, you know, and then by the end, we're just having a great chat and, you know, it's really, really, really nice. And they've shared with me some things that are a big concern to them. And one of the things that I've really seen is that, you know, when we, we talk about like the brain drain of the county and youth moving out of our county, getting educated and not returning, one of the things that I think, you know, you have to look at is what do they have to look forward to in the county? What's the trajectory? If, you know, you stay in the county, um, as a lot of our seniors have, what is your life going to look like after you have done whatever it is that you want to do in your life and you're, you know, if you're someone who's going to retire, you you retire. What does that life look like for you? Are you respected? This is kind of like a, I think, a United States issue in general right now. But certainly I see that our elders are not being given the sort of respect that they really deserve and that there's a lot of information, there's a lot of valuable knowledge that's just kind of like seeping through the cracks, similarly to youth. You know, by the way, um, I see a lot of similar issues with youth and the elderly. For instance, Fallsburg seniors told me they want to have fun. <laughs> they, I, you know, we had this meeting and, you know, at the end of the meeting, they're like, we want to have fun. Like, you know, <laughs> what do you have for us that's fun, you know? And um, the other seniors have been really uh, very concerned about the housing issues in the county. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of calls about that. There's just such a shortage of inventory of housing, and then the housing that does exist. A lot of it, a lot of it, is not being maintained well. And so I get, of course, a lot of complaints about landlords who um, are collecting rent. They're not doing anything to repair issues, and people don't know their rights about how they should address that. Anyway, so uh, you know that's another issue, and then. Um, Transportation has been a huge issue for seniors. You know, the the prices of fuel has gone up and, um, you know, our county is pretty spread apart and rural in a lot of areas. And so in order to get from, you know, A to B can be very difficult. And as you get older and especially during the winter and at night, you know, that can be a challenge. And we we do have um, something that's really lovely that this, which is uh, MOVE. And the Office of Aging also has uh, the, the Move bus. Um, and Office of Aging also has a couple of sources of transportation for, like, uh, to go to the doctor, to go shopping. Um, but it, it's still very difficult for seniors. So, um, you know, I've been working with uh, two things. One with um, Hurleyville Performing Arts Center. And so they're working now on um, providing a movie series for seniors and possibly a ballroom dancing class for seniors. And then uh, also one of the things that that we realized in going around the the county was that seniors are really left out of the digital age. And uh, that's a big deal. And so there are a lot of seniors that said that they really would just like to kind of have a basic understanding of the computer. And maybe if they wanted to order food to come to them, like groceries or something like that. How could they go on the computer and do that? They don't want to get scammed, um, you know, and and they're a little wary about going on the computer. And so I have partnered with 
ATI Action Toward Independence, and um, we've formulated this four-week series of classes for seniors um, uh, just to first acclimate themselves to the keyboard. Then when you turn on your computer, what happens there? What are all of the apps and things like that that you're looking at? Um, BOCES has been really great in providing their education bus that contains laptops, so seniors don't have to have their own laptop. So that's been really nice. We just started that in Liberty uh, uh, three weeks ago, and it's going to start in Monticello at uh, Action Toward Independence starting July 14th and it'll run for four weeks. And, you know, I think that API is probably going to take that on as a regular thing. And what we'd like to do is get the, the libraries involved to have some sort of continuity, you know, of learning. Um, so those are some things that have been happening that are really exciting. And it, it makes my job really fun to find connections, you know, like where I can see a need. And, I, and I've also talked with people over here who um, are able to fulfill that and, and bring them together. Something that I can't help but noticing as you're talking about all of these exciting programs is the, the sense of joy that it seems like you have about all of this. And I'm I'm curious where that comes from for you and how you became passionate about supporting human rights initially. Can you can you talk a little bit about your own story? It probably started honestly with my mom in growing up. My mother was a speech pathologist and audiologist in the school system. And she always saw situations where there were families that were disadvantaged, didn't have like, honestly, you know, oftentimes didn't have food coming into the house. And this was like at the beginning of Costco. I think we had, I'm from California, we had Price Club, but you know, it was at the beginning of this kind of thing. And and uh, she would just go out and spend her own money and purchase tons of food and put me in the car with her and drop off food at, at family's doors without them knowing, just like cases of things, you know. And she was always like cooking tons of food and like just going to neighbors and feeding neighbors. We always had like kids over at the house that they'd after school they'd come hang out and she'd have a, a video playing and then they would have a discussion about it after and she's just always very community oriented and I think that there was a real sense of happiness for me in seeing her making people happy you know assisting them in that sort of way and um, so I think that that probably is where it started and then, you know, along the way in my life, I've just, I've had so many challenges in my life that I've constantly pushed through, but really because I've had like such a solid support and upbringing. And I realize that not everybody comes from that same place. And I guess I just feel like it's my responsibility then to provide that where I can. And at the end of the day, I think that you know, I normally, I go to bed and I kind of run through like all the things that have happened in the day and ask myself, like, am I happy with how I did this day? You know, how could I do it better? And, um, and what really makes me feel happy? And at the end of the day, the things that make me feel happy are seeing my community running better to see, like, I'd like to turn around and see people be happy that, you know, it just it creates a, a more beautiful place to be in. 
That's a wonderful story. And, and I, I love the place you're coming from with that. So what can folks who are not involved directly anyway with the Human Rights Commission do in our own way, in our own lives to help foster and protect human rights in Sullivan County or beyond in other communities that we exist in? That's an interesting question. And I, I think that taking it down to like a really basic level, something that that I feel we have like a lot of room for growth in is just listening. Just being able to like hear people assume the best intentions of people, um, understand that we're different, you know, that, that we we come from different backgrounds, even in the same neighborhood, like our, the cultures in our family might be different, right? It just kind of like slows things down and ask ourselves, like, what is this person really saying? You know, where are they coming from? And understanding that, especially when someone is experiencing like a critical situation in their lives, they're, you know, possibly in trauma. They may not be behaving in the best possible way and saying the best possible things. They may speak loudly and passionately because they may be from a culture that speaks loudly and passionately. You know, it may not look the way that you yourself um, express things, but if you can just have like just kind of step back a little bit and open up a little bit and and be like a comfortable place for someone to be able to um, express themselves and to be able to to listen and say, you know, I think you're saying this, like so, you know, because sometimes people say something. And you, I find, you know, I've had some situations like this that are really funny. Someone will say something, and from my perspective of what I understand about the world and of people in a human situation, I think that I understand what they're saying. And then I'll repeat it back for the, okay, so I think you're saying this in such like, oh, yeah, no, that's not what I'm saying, you know. And then they'll explain it, like, a little further. Um, and, and so... You know, I think that that's, that's probably just the listening skills and the communication skills, like sharpening that and just being able to, like, listen to an individual and, and um, understand that in this day and age right now, in the last couple of years, people have been going through a lot. And just to have a little bit of grace. On that line, do you have any other tips and tricks for all of us to try to become more effective communicators and listeners we have this you know natural protection mechanism that exists in every human being for the most part every human being and causes some problems sometimes you know where we make judgments about people ultimately I think you know to make sure that we're we're safe and, and protected. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with, with making sure that we're protected. That's human nature. But um, I think it's important to question ourselves and to get to a place where when we're starting to say something or we're thinking something, just to ask ourselves, like, oh, that's interesting. Where did that come from? Question. You know, a lot of the times when I 
say something or someone says something, I'll often present the opposite opinion, not necessarily because I agree with it, but just to throw that out there, like, what about this? You know, and that's actually one thing that I've experienced in the county in the last year. I've had the opportunity to speak with people um, who hold different viewpoints than my own. And for both of us to have like this really nice understanding that's different than what it was when we, before we entered the conversation. And I think a lot of that comes from really asking within ourselves, like, where did that thought come from? Why, you know, give an example, like all the, the, the comments normally start with all, you know, so like all people should do this particular thing or should believe this particular thing and then say, so where did that come from? Where did that idea come from? Is it possible that uh, are there other countries, for instance, or other uh, cultures that don't follow that? Are they horrible people because they don't? So in this country, would people be horrible because they do the same thing that someone else in another country does that we accept? Do you know what I mean? Like they're just different. It's just fun to look at, you know, different reasons why we have these opinions and then it allows us to kind of relate to other people better and, you know, realize that just because something's different doesn't mean that we're in danger. In a more immediate sense, if Mm -hmm. folks are concerned that they are witnessing or experiencing a human rights violation, how can they get in touch with the Sullivan County Human Rights Commission? They can call Area code 845-807-0189. So 845-807-0189. And I just want to end by also saying that I think that one of the biggest things that I've realized in this last 15, 16 months is that people are much more similar than they are different. And so, you know, somehow we're very focused on differences right now because that's easy, right? Differences are easy. We, we learn, you know, one of these things is not like the other from Sesame Street, but at the end of the day, um, the similarities are much more. I love that note that Adrian ended on. And after making 40 episodes of this program, I could not agree more. And honestly, it's one of the reasons I started Close to Home a year and a half ago in the first place. No matter what political camp you're in, and no matter what your religious affiliation or your cultural background or your ethnicity might be, we all want to have access to good food, a high-quality education, effective and affordable healthcare, a safe and healthy environment for ourselves and our families, a good job, access to transportation, and a roof over our heads. And our next episode is actually going to be about that last one, so keep an eye out for our conversations about housing in the coming days. But most of our big disagreements in society are essentially nitpicking on the details of what the best way is to go about fulfilling all of those basic needs. And it's probably a good thing that we have those arguments, because if we are listening while we're arguing, that is how we put our heads together 
to figure out the best way to support our needs. But when we stop listening, we stop moving the ball forward because we're already convinced that our idea is the best idea. I know I'm guilty of that. But chances are, of the other 7.8 billion people out there, there is probably someone, and maybe a bunch of people, who can improve on my ideas for how to make the world a better place. And if I'm willing to keep an open mind, maybe we'll actually do just that, together. Thank you so much to the Sullivan County Office of Human Rights Executive Director, Adrian Jensen, for taking the time to chat this week. And as always, thank you for listening. I'm Leif Johansson, and this is Close to Home, a podcast from WJFF Radio Catskill. Have a great week. Thank you.